Luke's going to share with us the word this morning out of uh, Hebrews 10 and then give us a, uh, a report on the Resonate Youth Meetings that are happening on the first and the third Fridays that are so incredibly good. Um, but he had this word out of Hebrews 10 uh, uh, a week or so ago, and I, I just it was so rich and so strong, and he's going to speak into this a little bit here, but I just wanted him to, to sow into it uh, today. Thanks, Jonathan. So he basically just shared everything I was going to share, so I'm just going to wing it for the next 20 minutes. It's awesome, right? Yeah, so this is different. I like being close to you guys. I'm used to being like 10 feet back. This is a lot more intimate, right? But we're going to talk about something even more intimate than this today. We're talking about house churches. So you guys see a little theme uh, that is developed in worship, and today it's that Jesus made a way. And he's calling us to draw near. He made a way and he's calling us to draw near. So while you guys are turning to Hebrews 10, I'm going to tell you that if I were to title this little talk, I would call it, I'm not going to, but I would call it a new and living way. I would say a new and living way. If I was going to give it a different title, I would say an endorsement for house churches. If I was going to give it a Another title, based, based on what Jonathan just said, I'm not going to. But if I did, I would call it No Man is an Island. And then fourthly, and I'll settle on this one. Let's call it Draw Near. Okay, Draw Near. Good. Cool. <laughs> trying to be normal. Trying to be normal here. So here we go. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's a really appropriate scripture, I think, for the times that we're living in now, and sometimes that is used... We're going to start at the, at the end and work maybe towards the beginning. But that last part says, don't forsake the assembling together as some are in the habit of doing. So am I up here to talk to you guys about church attendance? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Maybe next week, maybe part two. But I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about that I'm talking about an appeal to lean in. Or another way to say that is to draw near, right? So God has called us to draw near because he's made a way. He's called us to draw near to him, but he's also called us to draw near to one another, to draw near in relationship. We were created for relationship. If you guys remember the first guy that got created, his name was Adam, right? And he was just chilling in the garden. And God said, it is not 
good for man to live alone, right? So make for him a helper. Like, so this is Christ in the church. It's man and wife. It's a beautiful picture. But another lesson to be drawn from that is that God made us for relationship. He didn't make us just to stand alone. So there's a part there that says, not forsaking assembling together, as is the habit of some. So just like I said, it's not about church attendance per se, because this, I'm not a scholar, but I would, I, would, I would suggest that this doesn't mean that you are condemned if you miss a Sunday, right? I wasn't here last Sunday. I missed you guys, but I wasn't here last Sunday. But I'm not condemned in terms of what this is saying. It says, don't make a habit. And it says, some have made a habit. How many of you guys know that sometimes, Dick, how many times do you know or do you, you identify with the fact that it's easier when we do, when we spend time by ourselves? <laughs> Be, all the time, all the time, right? And some of it is because you don't have to deal with other people, right? One of my favorite shirts that, that Dick has says, sorry I'm late, I didn't want to come. <laughs> I don't identify with that so much, but I know that basically half of people do identify with that. So, so the forsaking or making a habit of forsaking assembling together, it's kind of like, in some of us, it's wired in. It's the, it's the fleshly nature to say, I don't want to deal with the messiness of other people, right? And then some of it, some of it is just what Jonathan was talking about in that marriage relationship. You're close together and you're like, oh my gosh, I was so much more cool before I was married. <laughs> Like, literally, I was super cool. Everybody liked me from a distance. <laughs> and then you get to make a choice, right? You get to make a choice. Like, am I going to submit my heart and allow the Lord to, like, work those things, to grow as a person, to grow in the Lord, to let Christ be formed in me? Or am I, gonna, am I just going to say, man, I don't need anybody else. I got God. I got my own kind of unique relationship with him. So I'm going to forsake the assembling of myself. So God has made a way. If we look at verse 19... Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus made a way, and he's given us confidence. Draw near to God and draw near to others. So what's the greatest commandment? The Pharisees thought that they were going to trap Jesus, right? They thought they were going to trap him. He said the greatest commandment, love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, love God your neighbor as yourself. That's right. So in the context, now we go back to house churches. So was that the second title? An endorsement for house churches, right? So an endorsement for house churches in the context of that, what does this drawing near result in? What are the benefits of the drawing near? We know that we're called to do it. We draw near to Jesus and that really allows us to draw near to others in a true way, right? We draw near to Jesus. He made the way. And he says, gosh, there's so much depth in this, in this Hebrews uh, scripture, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us. The veil was torn. And this says the veil, that is his flesh. Oh my goodness. So we had communion this morning. And the fact that his sacrifice has allowed us to draw near to him. This was written 
This is written to the Jews. And they had that sort of like sacrificial system where there was a separation. I'm like, David in the Old Testament, he was, he was a special dude, right? He had revelation. He had revelation of Jesus in that relationship. We were talking about this at House Church last week. David had that revelation. His son, and maybe later in his life as did, but his, his son, Solomon, didn't have that revelation, right? So Andy in House Church on uh, this past Wednesday had us in Efe- uh, Ephesians, right? Ecclesiastes. And he had us in Ecclesiastes, and the, 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 the idea that everything is meaningless, all that is is a separation from our hearts from God. But Jesus made a way for us to draw near. So what is the outworking or what are the benefits? And I have, there's probably a million, but I have three because three is a good number. So the first one, let's go to uh, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. The first one is unity. So Jesus prayed for that, right? Father, I desire... They would be in me in the same way that I'm in you. They would be united. So we look this up, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. <clears throat> okay, so we're talking about the fivefold ministry. And it says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelism, evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So going back to my father-in-law, I mean, that's the, that's, that's the crazy thing. Like in families, in marriages, in the body of Christ, no two people are the same. There's some similarities, but no two people are the same. But God has said, all these individual parts are an expression of Jesus. Jesus as the head, the church working together. So this is an encouragement to press in. And also it says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects. So again, sometimes that's a hard thing, but the thing is you are called as a believer to speak the truth in love. Not to identify or feel love from a distance, but you're called to speak the truth into other people's lives. How does that work? That doesn't work unless you're in relationship, does it? Like that cannot be completed in a full measure on Sunday morning with this group we have right here, right? We can't do that. Why can't we do that? There's so many people. I'm not going to talk to everybody in here today, but also on the flip side, you're not, you're not vulnerable and safe when there's this many people. 
Like there's some things in your life that you actually have to share with me for me to be able to be what I'm supposed to be to you. So we have, it's, it goes both ways, right? And so that is what we get in house church. So we, we get to be in unity in sharing everything, right? That's what it says in Acts 2. It talks about the unity of the church and it says that they shared everything. So we're not always called to sell all of our possessions and share everything, but we are called to share everything in our hearts with those people that God has put us in relationship with in house church. So unity is the first one. Number two is support. House churches result in, and they give us benefit in being in support. So what I just mentioned there is that context within which you can actually be vulnerable with others, that you can support and pray for one another, and, and where spiritual battles happen. So let's go to Exodus 17, verses 8 through 13. It's a great old-timey example of support in the body of Christ. <clears throat> Exodus 17, Starting in verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, Rephidim actually means rest. So in a place of rest, the enemy came and attacked. So Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Moses kind of, he knew what he was called to do, right? God had told him, tomorrow they're going to battle, go up to the top of the hill. And Joshua did as Moses told him. So we see different parts in the body of Christ. And he fought against Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So what's interesting to me there. It's kind of like when Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. He brought a few dudes, right? He didn't, he didn't tell everybody to hold back. But Moses brought Aaron and he brought her, those guys that he was in relationship with, his family. He brought them up there with him. So it came about when Moses held his hand up, that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone... Jesus, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So what I see there is that that support is happening but sometimes we think of support as a defensive stance. And what I want to talk about in house churches, in that family context, is support is not primarily a defensive stance. Because when they supported Moses' arms and they were held out, the Israelites conquered the enemy. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes we think, man, I don't know about my weakness, I don't know about my brother or sister's weakness, there's messiness there, there's everything else, but in that support, you're actually conquering the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And this shows we need one another in that. Moses knew. He had some wisdom. He didn't go up there on the mountain by himself. Otherwise, halfway through the battle, his arms would have just fallen down. So praise God. Real quick. Aaron was a priest, and Hur was from the tribe of Judah, representing kingship. And so as kings and priests now, we stand on each other's. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and the thing is, there's so, much, there's so much of a picture of the kingdom of God and of Jesus and spiritual battle in that picture, even though it's an Old Testament example, it's a real life example, because that really, that happened in real life, but it was a spiritual battle. So we have two outworkings of house churches, how they benefit us. The first is unity. The second is support. And the third is the kicker, guys. I love it. Let's go back to Hebrews, and we'll end here. Guys, thanks for letting me share today. Oh, it's so fun. Just been waiting for Jonathan to ask me. (laughs) We'll see if he asks again. (laughs) Okay, so... That in part, verse 24. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works. So stimulate, another, another version says provoke. Another version says stir up. So let us consider how to stimulate or provoke or to stir up one another to love and good works. So in in Ephesians 2.10, I'm not going to turn there, but it says that God has ordained, preordained good works for us to do, for each person to do in the kingdom. So I can't do the good works that God has called Luke to. God has preordained good works for him to be raised up and walk in. In context of this in Hebrews, God's saying, stir up one another to the good works that God has preordained for them to do in the kingdom. As a different part in the body of Christ, God has preordained that every one of you guys not only have a place to, but you have the boldness, and as it says earlier in the drawing near, confidence, confidence, in Jesus and the Holy Spirit in you to step out and do that. In 2 Timothy, I won't make you guys turn there, but I want to read it really quick. 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 7. This is Paul. He's writing to Timothy, his beloved son. So he's a spiritual father and a spiritual son. This is somebody he had relationship with talking about relationship. He had relationship with Timothy. And he says in verse five, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. And for this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and of a sound mind or of discipline. 
So right there, we have an example in relationship of somebody that is stirring up his spiritual son. He's stirring him up. He's encouraging him. He's stirring him up to love and good deeds that God has called him to. So the love part, what is that? That's motivation. That's the motivation of what we do. So stir one another up to love. Stir one another up to the good deeds that God has called them to. The last thing I want to talk about is this idea of considering how we can provoke or stimulate or stir up one another. think that we have an idea that God wants unity, right? We have this idea that God wants us to support one another. But sometimes this <laughs> offensive, but sometimes offensive <laughs> thing of stirring up, we shy back from a little bit. I feel so much the last couple weeks, God's heart saying, not only do we need to be doing that, but we need to be receiving that from one another. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to be stirring one another up in love, towards love, because God made the way for us to do that. Draw near in that way and make yourself vulnerable. Put yourself in position in relationship in house churches to receive that, to be stirred up. Some of that can happen. It can happen in a prophetic word on a Sunday morning. It can happen in somebody just praying for you up here or talking to you. But so much of that happens in the week-by-week week relationships that we form and that we're committed to. So how many of you guys feel, how many of you feel in this season of your life that you would benefit by being stirred up in love and good deeds? You can raise your hands. You can participate. Yeah. I think sometimes the receiving part is, is actually the harder part. So many of us want to serve others, to speak into others' lives. The receiving part, even though we say, oh my goodness, yes, I could use that. The receiving part is the harder part sometimes. But I think what the Lord is asking us to do is be committed, drawing near to him, and drawing near in those relationships to put yourself in position. To be bold and confident to speak to others. Be vulnerable in the measure that it takes for you to be able to receive and to be stirred up in the things that God has called you to. Amen. Can you tell us real quick about Resonate and what's going on there? <clears throat> Report in season. Resonate Youth Groups. Uh, first Friday, third Friday of every month, six. 30, 6.30 to 8.30 here. We're actually, we're going to have one more meeting in two weeks from this past Friday. And then December, we're going to take off for holidays and then hit the ground running in January. So this is uh, fourth grade-ish through 12th grade. Please come and please invite anybody else. See you guys. <laughs> Didn't mean to offend you or whatever. <laughs> have a good day. All right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, so we have uh, several house churches going on. Right. I wasn't embarrassed the whole time. That was an awkward moment. Um, 
We have uh, several going on right now. Um, the Osbournes, who are not here today, Matt's at a conference for uh, the International Day of Prayer here for Persecuted Church, but Osbournes in Eureka on 185th Street on Sunday evenings. Uh, the Humigs uh, meet here in their group Sunday evenings at uh, the Prospect Church. The Brants also over in Eureka. Jason and Tasha host that at their house. And then we have uh, Luke and, and Andy and, and Levi and Jordan meet uh, down on Haverhill or, or different houses thereabouts on Wednesdays. The Coons, probably the most longstanding group, uh, meets Wednesdays at 7 o'clock over on Lawndale. We are taking a break from ours with a new baby for a short season. We're also planning on ramping up after the uh, first of the year, getting through the holidays here. And then Paulzer, Loss, and Parish group meets uh, on uh, twice a month, twice a month at different locations uh, over there on the east side of Wichita. Uh, if you're not in, involved, highly recommend uh, you give it a shot. Uh, commit yourself to it for a season and, uh, and see what happens. I promise you will be uh, richly blessed.